0: All right, good morning. Uh, my name is Adam Kasel. I'm the vision and administration pastor here on staff. For those of you who, d- who don't know me, uh, I get to introduce our speaker this morning. Um, she's come all the way from our children's ministry, <laughs> Heather Jesse, our children's pastor. Um, I've had the privilege of working with Heather for the last four years, and there's lots of things I appreciate about Heather. One of them is her holy discontentment. So she is. Uh, not willing to rest until she has all the best that the Lord has for her, uh, her family, and uh, the kids in our children's ministry. And one of the things that we say and and really try to live out here is that there is no junior Holy Spirit. Um, Ian before him and and Nick now have done a great job with our students, and Heather's doing it with our our kids. So from the very beginning, they're learning that they can hear from their father, that God uh, wants to spend time with them, And um, so the things that that Heather just deeply cares about uh, just pours out of her uh, in our children's ministry. And so I'm excited that she gets to share with us this morning. Um, So I'm going to pray for her and then turn it over to her. So, Jesus, we thank you so much for Heather. Uh, Thank you for the work that you have done in her life, uh, that you're doing through her in our children's ministry. Uh, Thank you for this message that you have for her. And I just ask, uh, Holy Spirit, fill her afresh right now that um, you would anoint her lips, that the fruit of what she speaks would be honoring to you and would uh, build the rest of us up. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's encourage Heather.
1: Thank you. I would be remiss to say that I was sort of excited to have this on. I sort of went back to my 80s and thought about Janet Jackson and the Rhythm Nation. I had to I had to say that. Um, so Adam alluded to it, well, he didn't allude to it. He actually shared about it a couple weeks ago when he talked about his word and how we as a staff um, collectively will get together, uh, individually we'll get our own words and then we'll come together and we'll share our words. And I'm gonna share sort of where I've been in 2022 with my word Um, but I wanted to start um, with sharing a little just a little context for a picture that will help explain for me the value of getting a word because it's probably only been um, in the past two years really that I've held on to the word through the year a lot of times I'll get the word and then like September October okay my word what am I doing with my word Uh, because it it will become a task sometimes at least for me it had been Um, So a couple, about a year and a half ago, um, I discovered a book that my dad had, and it's called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. Favorite book, I've turned a few people here, I've told a few people about it, and they're reading it. If you need a good book, it's by Philip Keller, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23, and it is my favorite book. I've probably read it five times this year, maybe four, that was hyperbole. Since two, in 2022, not this year, because we're only in January. Um, and it talks a lot about the care and the management of sheep as it relates to the shepherd. And that's the way that Jesus refers to himself. In um, John 10, 11, he calls himself the good shepherd. So the picture I got, I was asking the Lord, I'm like, how can I explain so they understand sort of what it's like for me to get a word? Um, because it f- it can, it can feel daunting. And th- one thing we were really good about in the staff, is, staff meeting is there's no rules as far as getting a word, word, a picture, a theme, a verse. You get whatever it is the Lord gives you. That's great. Um, <clears throat> so I was asking the Lord, and he gave me this picture going back to the shepherd and the sheep. And I'm in a field, and the shepherd's there. And it's a beautiful sunny day. The grass is sort of floating. And it's, it's like tall grass. And he looks, he turns and he gives me a look and smiles, doesn't really say anything and he begins to walk. And as he's walking, he sort of drops down his staff and he continues walking and I look and I realized he's made a very subtle path in the grass. It's not an overt path, it's no place I've ever been before and if I'm not paying attention, I won't stay on that path. So that's part of what it's like for me getting a word. It's not getting from point A to point B. It's not destinational, which in the previous years it had become destinational because, okay, it's the end of the year, I've gotta have a good report for whoever to make sure I've done my word. So this has become more of um, a meandering, following, just enjoying the presence of Jesus um, and just where it is, wherever it is he's gonna take me. Um, so when I got my word for last year, um, it was the response that Moses gave to God in burning bush. Sorry, I had a moment where I was like, I looked at Adam, and I all of a sudden I was like, that will happen sometimes. I'm sometimes I'm distracted. Um, I won't say my bright shiny objects because I'm not sure what that would say about Adam, but you know. So if I pause for a second, sometimes it's because I. Anyway, sorry, back. Yeah, so my previous word was God, Moses' response to God in the burning bush. And he was says, I'm here, I'm ready. So that was my word last year, excuse me, 2021. And I really had absolutely zero doubt that God would be faithful because he was faithful for that year and I was ready. And there were a lot of things that came up that year So um, I just waited and um, so my word for last year was the word worth. Um, And so I have a chalkboard in my back office. Um, I have one office, it's not a back office, it's just an office. I mean it could be, it's not the back office because if it was the back office I would have windows. Let the hearer understand I have no windows but it's not a cave, anyway. So I began to scribble out just questions. And like I wrote the the word worth on there and there's a couple of other things. I've got some of my high school volunteers that have since moved on to college. They've scribbled little words on there and so I've kept those, but it's my favorite place. So anyway, so every day I would walk in and I would be reminded of that word. And I just began to think about, so in Revelation four, um, there's these four living creatures that are around the throne and these 24 elders that are in front of the throne. And I was like, what are they seeing? What do they see that causes them to continue, excuse me, continually stand up only to bow back down and drop everything that they have? What is it that makes the the four living creatures consistently say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty? And then in response, the 24 elders respond and it's just continuous and it never stops. And I'm gonna read this little portion. Just sometimes I, for myself, I can communicate a little bit better when I'm writing. And so, as you know, this is completely new to me. So I wanna make sure I say this portion a little bit clearer than how it might say if I memorized it. The perspective of heaven on the worth of Jesus is easy and it's hard to grasp because they have stated it over and over and over in their response to Jesus. In Revelation 4:8, they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. And in hearing this, the elders respond in their unique but undone way again. They fall down. And I, it feels like I imagine that the refrain just sort of echoes across the heavens. And they say, you're worthy, Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. There is no wandering or pondering or thinking about what the worth of Jesus is in heaven because it's before them. They never escape it. I don't know that they would want to, maybe a poor choice of words, but they don't ever get away from the worth of Jesus. They don't question the way I question. What's your worth? What are you worth? And you can interchange worth or value. I particularly don't use value because when I think of value, it feels like a transaction or it feels like the value pack of coupons you get in the mail. I mean, I'm not trying to be funny, but I mean, for me, worth just is a different. So feel free to interchange either one of those words. Um, so yeah, they don't have the questions that we do or that I did. And I was talking to, to God about his worth and I think I become a little bit, I don't know if it was desperate, but maybe frustrated and desperate. And I wanted to know what was it it that I was missing about your worth? Because this word was still here. It was still lingering without answers. And so there wasn't, I mean, there wasn't anything. There was no aha moment in those first six months. It was just asking and waiting and asking. And every day trying to grow in less frustration as I walked into my office and saw all the questions and saw the word and still having nothing, but still knowing that I was being faithful to the word because it was still on the forefront of my mind. Maybe not every day, and that's part of of that meandering. It's not something that I sat with the Lord every single day because I wasn't trying to get somewhere. It was just me pressing in and whenever it would come up, I would ask, but it was once or twice a week. I just, I don't want to give the impression that I sat with the Lord for hours every day. Um, So, yeah, a lot of the questions were, what are they seeing and what am I not seeing? And, And what had happened was the field had become a destination. It had become a place for me to get to. Because I wasn't getting the answer I needed, I sort of started to try to figure it out. And so I was getting frustrated with the Lord and we had a conversation one day and he spoke really frankly to me about something. And so I'm gonna share what he said. He said, while you're on earth, there will always be limitations to what I allow you to see in heaven. You just can't carry the weight of who, in capital letters, I am. Let go of your offense for me not giving you what you want and treasure what you're seeing because if you don't, you're gonna miss what I'm showing you. So we can be so caught up in what we're not seeing that we miss what he's showing us. And he was right, I was so upset. And I, didn't, I don't think sometimes I realize, um, I think my husband knows because he knows me so well. I sometimes try to hide when I'm angry. I try to hide when I'm frustrated. Sorry, babe, I didn't do that well this week. I got a little stressed about this message, so. I'm just owning it. Um, but I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't hide. I couldn't hide my desperation and my frustration for not having some understanding because I'm, I'm trying to do this word. Like I'm trying to figure out what this word worth because you've given it to me, Lord. So what is it that I need to know? Um, so I, I really, I had to let go of getting from point A to point B, to from getting to a destination and get back to the place where I trusted the good shepherd and I trusted his care and his management of my life. Um, I was still at a little bit of a loss and really not sure what he was leading me to do and what was what he was gonna teach me. Um, let's see, wrong, wrong page. Um, so shortly into this, um, like I said, I, I just spent my time asking the Lord. And so one morning I'm sitting on the couch and um, I'm just I'm physically crying out like, what is your worth? I want to know your worth. Let me see what you're worth, Jesus. And so I started reading Luke 10, 38. And it wasn't, he didn't direct me. I was already in Luke. Um, he says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And as she had a sister called Mary and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, "Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me." But the Lord answered her, "Martha, Martha, Pardon me. You're anxious about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken from her. One thing. I stopped. I read it again, and I slid off the couch, and I probably bawled, snot all the things for probably at least an hour. It was it was as though like you had a bazillion thoughts racing at you and all I could do was cry. So my first sort of point is God is raising up a bride that will die without knowing the sense of his presence. He is raising up a bride that will be so desperate that I, I am so desperate. I will die without your presence. If I don't know his nearness, I will die. If I don't know God, I will die, I would rather be like David. I will go into the pit if you don't speak. Yes, there are moments that he's quiet, but there's, there's, there's a desperation that he's raising up in the bride. Wrong page. <laughs> and for a long time, I've missed this desperation. I've missed this longing in my heart because I didn't need him. Because there's a lot that I can do without him. So how many things are needed? One, Mary made her choice and you have to make yours. It won't fall in your lap and this relationship has to be a choice and I can't give you my history. Nobody can give you their history. You have to cultivate that with Jesus. Mary made an active choice not to do housework or cook. And ignore the opinion of her family and those in her house to be with Jesus. She knew it was worth her reputation to forego what she should do to be with Jesus. This isn't a commentary on housework. So if there are any kids in here, do your chores. Um, but he doesn't. But I, maybe it's time for some of us to quit cleaning up ourselves to get to Jesus. Let me say that again, this isn't a commentary on housework. I think sometimes Martha gets a bad rap, however, I think we need to quit cleaning up ourselves before we go to Jesus. He doesn't want your best efforts because he's not impressed with you. And I'm saying that as myself because he told me in the context of all of this a couple of weeks ago, he's like, I don't care that you're prophetic because I gave it to you and it's not impressive. So stop it. Stop trying to be impressive because you're not impressive. He doesn't want what we can do. He just wants us. He loves our hearts. Like you all don't know how much you were loved by him. And I just pray even now, Holy Spirit, that you would release a revelation of your love. Come, Jesus, and do what you do and and love us. And I just pray hearts would be open to receive your love. He's inviting you to be with him. The point was that Mary knew that being with Jesus far outweighed the things that Mary that Martha rather was thinking about and was worried about. When we yeah when we serve or do ministry and we don't love Jesus we won't see him rightly. Why do you think Martha said Jesus don't you care? She had no idea who Jesus was, who she was talking to. Of course Jesus cares. This is the savior of the world. And she's asking him, don't you care? So if you're in a leader, if you're a, if you're doing a ministry or if you're leading a home group or you're serving somewhere, get with Jesus because you will not see him rightly. I mean, that goes for anyone, but I also think even more so in leadership. Because we can Martha our way into being a victim and feeling left out and unloved. Jesus is the only thing. Paul wrote to the, yeah, church in Ephesus, I had to think about that word. <laughs> that he fills all things with himself. I mean, just think about that. He fills all things with Everywhere, excuse me, I forgot a word. Everywhere with himself, and he also writes in Philippians three seven. Everything else is worthless when compared with knowing Jesus. I believe he's. I believe wholeheartedly that the Lord is stirring up the grace to be desperate, to 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 want Him more than anything else, because it will take Him to want Him. Mary and David are very similar. David was aware of the worth of God when he cried out on the side of a mountain and ascribed this lofty heavenly language to God. He would be there by himself with the sheep long after everybody else had gone. The feet of Jesus was Mary's only calling. She had nothing to accomplish and nowhere else to go. She had him and he had her and that was enough. She was in love with this man and she would not be moved. She was unmotivated by those around her and by her own insecurities. She set her gaze of her heart on Jesus. The worth of Jesus will eclipse everything. It will eclipse your pain. It will eclipse the annoyance that you feel for not doing what you want to do. And it will eclipse your insecurity. Whatever it is that's coming up, if you will sit long enough with Jesus, his worth will eclipse it. I'm gonna add something that's not in my notes and I was thinking about this. When you're married, there are things that you will will do because, because you know the worth and the value of the person that you're married to. You, you may go, sorry John, you may listen to your husband talk about Anglo-Saxon history and you won't roll your eyes or whatever because you know his worth and his value. It's about honor and I mean those go together but I just was thinking about that today is yeah, how much that correlates Anyway, I'm not going to go too far because that thought was not fully fleshed out, I guess. That was just sort of a, that was just a freebie. Um, Yeah, but David said in Psalm 28, don't be silent or I will be like one that goes into a pit. It will be like hell, God, if you don't talk to me. If I don't feel your nearness, God, it will be hell for me. So don't be silent, don't turn away your voice from me. His nearness is our good. God is our hunger and he is the feast. He's the quiet and he's the song. David knew the price to pay for being on the backside of a mountain by himself when his brothers had left. Mary knew what it was like to stay. And so now I realize this, this was where else he was leading me was to stay. My point number 2. I believe that God is raising up a bride who won't look away. Who won't be motivated by anything other than other anything other than seeing him. John 12 One through eight, this is, um, I had to ask Randy because I wasn't sure, but it is the same Mary, different scenario, different story. So six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, (coughs) excuse me, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there and Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was about to betray him said, "'Why was this ointment not sold for the 300 denarii and given to the poor?' He said this is not because, he said this not because he cared about the poor, because he was a thief and having cha excuse me having charge of the money the money bag he used to help himself to what was put in it Jesus said leave her alone so that she may keep for the day of my burial for the poor you will always have but you do not always have but you will not always have me so sorry a few months a few months prior to the uh, to to I don't know all of this, I think probably October maybe. The Lord said, um, love will get you to the wedding, but worth will keep you married. And I immediately thought of Clinton, Beth and Lamb and um, I just I love that. He said, love will take us into his presence, but worth will keep you there after everyone else is gone. Love is what leads us to Jesus. He our, he's the catalyst for what gets us to running into him to encountering his life-changing love. But his worth is what keeps us in his presence long after everybody else is gone. When you know his worth, you won't wanna be anywhere else. When I know John's worth, I don't wanna be anywhere else when he's talking about something that doesn't interest me because it's not about my interest. It's about my love and my worth of my husband. Mary was there pouring out that costly fragrance on Jesus even while others were criticizing and questioning her. She was completely unmoved and unmotivated by these people. And she was willing to pay the price for the honor to love Jesus. We have to quit looking around and comparing ourselves to other people. There's gonna be times that Jesus is gonna ask you to do something that nobody else is doing in the room. Is he worth doing it for? You can't see Jesus when you're looking around. So quit worrying about what you look like or what somebody may think because you're not doing what everybody else might be doing. His worth, again, his worth will eclipse our fear and our insecurity. God brought back the Revelation, um, you know, sort of Revelation saga that I started with. Not really a saga, whatever. Um, like the 24 elders in Revelation who are constantly bowing down. I imagined they were completely unaware of each other. And I felt the freedom again to ask about about this. And I said, do they, Is is it, sort of how I imagined that they all up and they're all down and then they're all up and they're all back down again. And he said, no, he said, because there is no self-awareness. There is a rhythm of unison in heaven. There is a refrain that will constantly be, be sung and be said. And I do believe that there's a rhythm of, of unity and, and unison in heaven. But in my opinion, I think that One will come down, and one will be up, and then one will come down. Like, there's not, because they're not paying attention to anybody else. They're solely focused on Jesus. Mary walked into a place that was not suited for her, with a ridiculously priced oil that she had no business carrying. And she didn't just ignore the men that were in this room. I believe she didn't even see them. And so one of the questions I would ask is, whose attention are you trying to get? Whose attention and affection do you need? So this is where I landed in my living room, hadn't slidden off the couch, on my face, on my feet before, not on my feet, on my face (laughs) at the feet of Jesus. That would be a yoga move that I had not mastered. Whew. he had opened up my heart to his worth and I had to stay. I heard somebody once say that there's a place in love that is far more wonderful than you having a choice. It's yielding to his way. Mary let go of her choice to act appropriately and choose to be with Jesus. She let go of her reputation and whatever was expected of her. And I believe that there's an invitation for us to let go of what we will allow ourselves to get into, to give into, excuse me. I believe that the Lord is blowing off the doors of restraint of our hearts to stay and to look at Jesus and then to pour our lives out on him. When it's not comfortable and when we'd rather not just don't want to. No reason. There may not be anything going on. Just not. Um, There's a grace to let him overwhelm you. So I'm going to say let him. Surrender to his worth because you won't be sorry. The Holy Spirit will come and he will show you Jesus. He loves to show you Jesus. I'm going to go and invite the ministry team up and the, Amy, thank you. I'm just going to ask a couple of questions and then I'll invite Delena. I think she has some words. What price will you pay to be with Jesus and to know this man? What is his worth to you? because Jesus is the wisdom I long for and he's all I need. There's nothing else I need and there's nothing else I want. He will be all that will sustain us. Yeah. Delena, do you-
2: Hello, so I was just uh, felt like the Lord was saying there are some people that have walked in today with mindsets of uh, poverty and um, just that the Lord, like coming to the Lord and begging for him just for enough or just to get by. Um, But I just wanted to encourage that, uh, like even today in this room, that there is available like your dreams, like he intimately knows your desires and he made you that way. And so there's an invitation for a specific ask, like perhaps there's things that you've dreamed about or you've wanted for a long time. Get really specific in your ask today And uh, then you can just see him provide specifically and just like show you how much he loves you. So maybe even if it's like, man, Lord, uh, I would love like uh, this specific position or this specific like things to happen in a job. um, Yeah, that he wants to provide that for you. Um, So, yeah.
3: Okay. Um, I just got this one, and it's really good. And I want to share Jesus's heart with you. Um, we carry crowns on our heads that are heavily, are heavy with wor- worldly success, identity, pride, etc., and they are so heavy. Like the elders th- bowing and placing their crowns at the feet of Jesus, when we bow low before Jesus those crowns that are so heavy fall from our heads and clatter to the ground the release of the weight is so relieving we are finally able to fully stand and fully rest as they roll across the ground from us the memory of the weight fades our muscles relax and we are content in the simplicity of just being ourselves before God and then somebody we have two more And they all flow together. So if you hear the thread of Jesus's heart, this one says those who need or want to know what the father's heart is towards them. As a child, they may have tried to figure out how to move their earthly father's heart of stone, which resulted in heart hurt, rejection and loss of self. Heavenly father welcomes and delights in the offering of his child that they bring. Searching the mystery of the Father's heart results in healing, intimacy, and true self-discovery. He is not far off, and He is not aloof. He bows down and comes close, and He welcomes you to come near and enjoy Him. And that just goes with what I saw during worship. And again, Father's, um, I don't know what the word, anyway. This is what I saw. Some of us, myself included, were carrying a mask like on a stick and like in a masquerade ball and it covered my face and it covered some of our faces and it was better than my face and I felt like Jesus said I want to see who you are I want to see your true self but that was a risk because I had to put the mask down and let the one the worth of all the king of all the universe to see myself which goes with Sarah's word Um, so the invitation to all of us is will we look at the worth of Jesus and take down our self-protective mask that we carry and let him see us and call us forth into our true selves. If any of that fits with you, come let us pray for you.
1: If if there are any other needs that you might have um, other than what was just shared, um, I want to invite you to come on up and get some prayer. Bless you all to go and love and serve God this week.